0: Mentorship from my perspective is really paying it forward, looking after the people that come with you and laying a path open for them, for them to actually fill and move into.
1: As a leader, when something goes right, you look out the window and you look at your team and you say, how do we replicate that? When something goes wrong, you look in the mirror and you look at yourself and you go, Righto. so." right, what happened? What could I have done differently? So it's a perspective thing.
2: Yeah, so it's just, for me, down in regulation, it's actually setting time, and apart from spending time with my family, it's also just spending time for myself as well, whether that be just watching a TV show or something and actually just, yeah, switching off, not having to think about something for time, because generally I have quite a busy mind, just trying to literally not think about anything for a period of time.
3: Optimize performance through adapting your physical, psychological, and emotional state. Hello and welcome everybody. My name is Andrew May and welcome to Investing in Self, the foundation of the social mastery equation. This live interview at the Indo-Pacific Sea Power Conference in Sydney is also being recorded as a special edition podcast with Rear Admiral Wendy Malcolm. Commander Dean Thompson and Staff Officer, MAS Executive Sam Tickle, three Navy personnel who have been integral in sponsoring, amplifying and delivering this Social Mastery program. Today we're here to talk about the genesis of Social Mastery, why it is important. So to get things started, Rear Admiral Malcolm, would you like to introduce yourself and everybody on stage?
0: Excellent. Thank you so much Andrew. Great to see you and thank you everybody for being here, especially our special guests from overseas. Thank you for your interest. I hope you've had a great time here at Indopac. My name is Rear Admiral Wendy Malcolm, Royal Australian Navy. Uh, I build ships and I do that across the country. Your great patrol boats, your tankers, your offshore patrol vessels, uh, sail training ships. Army landing craft, ships are us, we can build it, so um, it's a great job to have. My superpower is having a fantastic team and selecting the right people in it, and I couldn't have a better team member than Commander Dean Thompson and Petty Officer Sam Tickle, and I'm going to ask them to talk about what they do.
1: Uh, Hello everyone, Uh, Commander Dean Thompson, thanks ma'am, very nice, kind words. I'm the N1 within Maritime Acquisition and Sustainment. That's the other hat the boss wears. While she's not building ships, she's managing a stream of, uh, of professionals. N1, what does that mean? I, I'm the HR uh, Strategy Director essentially and I get after uh, all the strategy around building the workforce to get after not only um, continuous naval shipbuilding across the country but future maritime sustainment model.
2: Hi everyone, I'm Petty Officer Sam Tickle working in Commander Thompson's team in Acquisition and with Admiral Malcolm. Uh, So I'm staff officer executive in the team and that uh, basically we've got a a fantastic small team with specific roles and as the staff officer, I get to do all the, well, I'm staff officer odd jobs and also all the fun activities. So things like social mastery and also some other programs we'll talk about later. So I feel the team just providing support to the team mainly and also getting to run some really cool initiatives.
0: And just to talk about where this came from, when we're in the middle of COVID, I said to Dean, hey, how are we going to invest back into our people? They're doing it really tough. How do we help them? How do we help them invest them in themselves? And um, he's just gone off and done that and then brought some great people in. So that's back to you, I think, Andrew.
3: I thought you were going to say, brought the guy in with the shiny head. What's a, what a nice segue. Uh, I am non-defence. For those people who are non-defence, I'll do a little bit of interpretation because one of my learnings was there are a lot of acronyms, there is a lot of domain-specific. I can see a few people nodding up the front. So when we talk about mastery, there's three types of mastery. Technical mastery is how you do your job. Domain mastery is doing your job in a specific environment, specific to Navy, that would be maritime. And then, Sam, the updated definition of social mastery is the development of high-performing individuals and teams. So within Social Mastery, the original framework looked at Daniel Goleman's emotional intelligence, and there's four frameworks to that. They are self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. So with my business, drive Stronger, it's been a wonderful opportunity to partner with you. I'll call you by your first name. I was gonna go Commander Thompson. I'll, I'll drop the shoulders and relax a little bit. Dean, I can remember when you first introduced myself and the team to Defence, and before we talk about the origins of the program, you might want to go back to that day, we're in the Adfor Hall in Canberra, and I think before the program, or maybe 10 minutes into the program, you were thinking about checking out seek.com. Do you want to pick up the story?
1: Uh, we, we ran the, a, a smaller program for the SLG uh, as part of Office of Chief Navy, uh, giving back to the senior leadership of Navy. And we brought Andrew on board. We had a team, a half-day event at the Adfa Auditorium. And the first speaker stood up and said to all the uh, the one-stars and two-stars in the room, can I ask you to take your shoes off and your socks off and bury your toes into the carpet? And I was like, oh, I'm done. There's no way I'm coming back from this. Uh, I'm gonna start looking on SEEK right now. But to my surprise, when you give back to these people that give so much of themselves to their day job, they loved it. And in the first break, you were swamped by individual one stars, two stars, swapping numbers, asking questions. Uh, And so I put my phone down, put SEEK
3: away, and I was like, right, I'll probably save for another six months. I was swamped, you were sweating. So a rough frame for today, we want to talk about mentorship and paying it forward, number one. Two is I'd like to talk about collaborating and creating a best practice program. Number three, this is what I've learned so much from working with Defence. It's the notion of leadership and followership. And number four, and we'll start with you on this one, Wendy, a crystal ball. Where do you see this program going moving forward? But number one, Wendy, I'll I'll ask you to start. You told me a lovely story a couple of weeks ago about a mentor of yours that you had 30 years ago, a wonderful man named Rob Walls, who recently passed away. And you said, as a young woman, Rob empowered you on your career. Would you like to pick up on that story?
0: Yes, I certainly will. And um, yeah, I didn't so much join the Navy, everybody. I escaped a small country town and (laughs) ran away. So I did that. I went to the Defence Academy. I had a really great time had some fantastic shipmates, I can see Tish over there, so we got ourselves into lots of trouble. But I ended up as a lieutenant, being a flag lieutenant or an aide-de-com for the fleet commander. And he was old school, and uh, if he was happy, he, if he was not happy with you, you were going to hear about it, probably from about three rooms away. And so I think he sacked me a few times, but I, I kept going back. But what was amazing about, about that was he was the first person who actually made me think I had a career in the Navy, because back then I was just like, oh, well, this is kind of fun, and um, you know, I'm, I've escaped a small country town, not sure what I'm gonna do next. But he was the first person who really said to me, you know what, you could really have a career in the Navy and make something of yourself. I didn't know what the word mentor was back then, and I worked bloody hard for him, but that was the beginning of a relationship that I had with him for 30 years. Most of my important decisions in my life, I've had that discussion with him. And so I really want to say to people here, it's like, it's not always on yourself to try and come up with the answers to life. I had a great mentor. He helped me enormously. And in particular, he really helped me believe in myself. I found it really hard to give his eulogy at his funeral uh, last month. Uh, But the bit that I wanted to get across was the importance of mentorship that he took through his whole life and that's something that I now try and do. So mentorship, from my perspective, is really paying it forward, looking after the people that come with you and laying a path open for them, for them to actually fill and move into.
3: Mentor, the origin of the word, is the Latin word mentore, which means to be like. I'm sure Rob is very proud seeing what you've done to pay it forward and to to think about what you learned as a young woman coming into defence and to, to really chart a program that was very different. You, you did take a bit of a risk when you put this together.
0: Yes, we were really worried that, like, you know... <laughs> you can be is, honest now. <laughs> is this too touchy-feely? Are people going to think we've um, all gone a bit off the reservation? But it was really about, you know, how do we, how do we really engage people and appeal to them make sure they understand that we value them and that we want to give back to them and invest in them and invest in our teams and invest in our future. So if I put it like that, you know, I think it really comes from the heart.
3: Hey, it's me. Just a quick note, I'd love you to subscribe to the Performance Intelligence Podcast. And I know you probably hear this on so many other podcasts and like me, you switch off. But can I ask you to please go to your favourite podcast platform and subscribe. And while you're there, extra bonus, leave a rating and review. That's it. Now, let's get back to this week's episode.
0: So, that's what we've really tried to do with this program.
3: And apart from sweating in that first session, Dean, you've had your fingerprints all over this. So, you were talking to Wendy at the very start, and then you started to put best practice learning frameworks to... The IP that had been sitting there around Daniel Goldman's emotional intelligence and then bringing that to life and wonderful timing, Ange. We can see that starting with self-awareness, moving to self-management, social awareness and relationship management. We can look at that now and smile and go, well, that's a really pretty model. Back when this first started, there was no pretty model. Do you want to take us back the ideas you had or what was the inspiration to take the ideas that this wonderful woman had but then to roll it out, get people in a room and make that come alive?
1: Yeah, so there's several several key points. I guess the uh, the backbone had already been done. All the hard work and the heavy lifting around the social mastery triangle w- was already there. Uh, what the boss allowed me to do was that she gave me the latitude to get after it. I remember sitting down with her. I got command intent, and I left her office going, "Wow, I really have an open left and right of arc here to get after a program that will not only benefit." you know, the, the military people in the organization, but the APS as well, uh, which was a real integrated sort of way of thinking. Uh, and so that's what we did. We set out, I, you know, sort of reached out uh, to yourself. We, we had a good few sessions and we, we hit the ground running with the pilot.
3: And Sam, then you got involved. We love working with you, Sam. You're, you're so neat. <laughs> You're so professional, you did everything you deliver beautifully, but you then came in and really helped put the frameworks together. And, and the question I've, I wanted to ask you, so why don't we ask in front of a live audience, I've never asked you this wow. question, and <laughs> now Sam's going to ask me, why are you so passionate about wellbeing and why are you so passionate giving back to others? Because you're a young, young man, like th- this is the stuff that normally kicks in when you like a little bit older, like,
2: not not saying (laughs) anyone (laughs) else. We'll
3: just polarise half the audience. (laughs) What what, what drives you around this whole notion of giving back?
2: Absolutely. So, firstly, thanks for the compliments. Really appreciate it. Um, I guess I have had a really uh, career before Navy, but also in Navy where I've had a lot of amazing mentors who have really spent a lot of their personal time investing in me, helping me. Uh, get me to the point where I am now. And I think, uh, yeah, I would have had a very different career and I'd be a very different person now if I hadn't had those people along the way who are still very much in contact with them. And just them taking that time to sit down with me and teach me whether that be something as simple as defence writing or something like that, or, or take me through uh, counselling for career moves, other, other things like that them investing in me has been so instrumental I think this is a different way that with me helping implement this program I can invest in back in Navy as well so whether that be doing the work with Angela and the team in the background doing all the hard work or even on the day and in, in interacting with people and showing them yeah just open this whole new world of so, or thinking of social mars that they might have not thought about before that's just I guess my way at, that I came at my current rank and my current opportunities I can reinvest into people back in Navy as well and and wider defense of course yeah
3: and to give a bit of an understanding of the program, we launched it with either a half day workshop or a keynote where we talk about the science, uh, psychology behind performance. We've had wonderful athletes join us as well. We call this athlete candy. Are there any NRL supporters in the room? Uh, a couple. So we had Tom Trevojevic from Australia's best NRL team, the Manly Seagulls. Just polarised half the room again as well. Uh, we had Caitlin Bassett, the former Australian netball captain. So we've got some athlete input in there, we've got some academics like Dr. Susie Green, Kamal, who's the co founder of Are You OK Day, and then talking about some of those high performance frameworks. Uh, then we also look at a 30-day social mastery program, which is a blend of looking at your physical well-being, your psychological well-being, productivity, relationships, and relationship management. And there's a digital platform that sits behind all of it. So that's the the implementation of the program: some face-to-face, some online support. There's a podcast as well that gives messages with both people in defence and external. So it's a range, a real diverse message. So, Dean, if I can go to you. What, what have you learnt from doing the program either personally or professionally?
1: I think professionally I, I, I think a lot of the content we all know and we've all, we've all come across in our lives, but it's it's just reframing it or refreshing it and actually going okay, I'm going to give some time to this. You know there's, there's a couple of things if I think professionally the, the one thing that I've taken out of it and I you know, learned this from a colleague that I'm on a course with at the moment at, a, at the Australian Defense College you know, as as a leader, when something goes right, you look out the window and you look at your team and you say, how do we replicate that? When something goes wrong, you look in the mirror and you look at yourself and you go, right, so what happened? What could I have done differently? So it's a perspective thing. So it's really about gaining the perspective and and refocusing and just refreshing those skills. Uh, Personally, and I've spoken about this many times, it's about being present. And uh, I've actually tried to start journaling. I'm not I'm not a great writer. I don't like to sit down and write. And I was sitting down at the kitchen table the other night writing and my six-year-old Sienna said, uh, Daddy, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm just writing about my day. And she ran off to her room, came back with a colouring book. And I said, what are you doing? She said, oh, I'm drawing about my day. And I said, maybe I should try that. it would probably be better.
3: <laughs> oh, that, the mindfulness approach to colouring or journaling has the same effect. Have your family, have any of your friends, I'll ask you a different question you weren't expecting, has anyone noticed you showing up differently or have you tried anything different? Because what we talk about as far as, you know, manage your thoughts, manage your energy levels, eat good food, who's heard this before? Get enough sleep, don't drink too much alcohol, be nice to people. I can see a few of the ladies go, yeah, yeah, I've heard all this before. What happens when we get really busy? Throw it out, throw it out, throw it out. We become task focused. Is it just me? But has anyone else become really busy and start giving feedback? Quite didactic. Here's what to do. Here's what you can also do with your horse. And then you look at people going, so I know this. I've taught this for 20 years. When I'm under stress, I often throw it all out. So have you been able to put any new skills, new practices when under stress? Or you might even say you had a disaster with something. Either way, what's worked or what hasn't? I definitely self-regulate.
1: So I, li- I like the concept of up-regulation and down-regulation, uh, even before coming on stage. I'm not a natural public speaker, so you know, taking those deep breaths, bring the heart rate down, just sort of catching my breath so I'm not sort of stuttering away. I'm not using devices right before bed, which is great until I go into the bedroom and, and Amanda's tick tocking. And I say, you know you shouldn't do that. And she goes, the spare room's down there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: do
1: so... no, no, no.
2: every,
3: every male knows who's in a relationship with a female that you don't give that advice or guidance because what, what a lot of guys do is they go to a course and they come back and they say, oh, this is what you should do. Any women in the room, have you ever had that feedback? How, how does that go down? Horrible. Horrible. I'm a slow learner, <laughs> mate. <laughs> Sam. What what have you applied either personally or professionally from the Social Mastery Program?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I completely agree with everything Commander Thompson just said for myself. uh, It's definitely on that presence piece, but for me it's about making time or allocating time to be present. So I I guess I, I try to be a bit of a perfectionist, which is detrimental sometimes to other areas of my life. So it's just making sure I am allocating time or making time to be present at home, things like that for my for my personal side of the house. But for the professional, it's for me, it's all about trying to, and working together as a team to make sure our floor culture matches our wall culture. So the, the culture that we have on the floor at work doesn't match our values up on the wall and things like that. And yeah, I think... We've all worked in workplaces, whether in defence or out of defence, where we've had some amazing teams where we could absolutely agree that exactly what we do at work on the floor matches their values, behaviours, and things like that. And we worked in ones which which we haven't. Uh, so for me, it's really important to try and try and marry those two up. So the things we practice on the floor of, of the office place or on, on the ship or wherever we might be matches what we put up on the wall. So. That's where I work professionally.
3: Yeah, I like that, and I might just give a bit more context to the term down regulation because you roll that off the tongue, and, and it just sounded so beautiful. But I saw a few people scratching their heads. When we talk about down regulation, it's the opposite of the modern world. Everything is up. You know, we're fast-paced. We run from one event to the next. We're tweeting. We're some people tendering. Uh, maybe not in this room, but yeah, you know, we're always on our mobile devices. So outside of this, I work in elite sports. So I work with. What's Tinder? <laughs> I thought you said what's Tinder, no? uh, So I, I work with the Manly Seagulls as their mental skills and leadership coach. Got, got no NRL fans at all, I'm being booed. I've just started working with the Waratahs in rugby union. We've got a lot of work to do in Australian rugby union. And I work with Tim Zhu, one of Australia's best boxers. So in that domain, I help elite athletes perform under pressure. So if you think about your specific roles, it's not like playing 80 minutes of the NRL or rugby union or in a fight that goes for 12 rounds by three minutes. Uh, and you've got to dance around. But there's all peak performance moments we all have, and we all get up for those moments. But I spend a lot of my time in sport and working with high performers in enterprise, government, defence, down-regulating. It's twofold. First one is relaxing physically, dropping the heart rate down. And again, we know this. We teach young kids to do breath work. I'm teaching my three-year-old daughter to be calm, and she'll take a big breath in. And then... To try and stop her from you know fishtailing on emotions. So that's the first part of down regulation. It's how do you relax your body by dropping the heart rate? The second part is what we call psychological detachment. And on and, and a science level, at the moment, we would hope, everyone, your brainwaves are in beta. You're listening. You might be learning, but you're engaging. You may even be arguing a little bit or, or challenging what we're doing. And if you are, great. Whack it on the QR code. We've got some question time coming up. We want to have some nice, healthy, robust conflict. Well, you three do. I'm dancing out of that one. Uh, but our, our, brains, our, our brains operate in this mode of beta. That's what we're all employed to do. But periodically, we need you to go alpha, and that's to relax or to drop the brain waves. And as I say, we often get that drop or going alpha when you're riding a bike, slowly like Kermit the Frog, not down a hill like a mammal. When you're on a bus, when you're at a beach, you're reading a book, or you're in the bath without a mobile phone. So can everyone just sort of reflect, when do you switch off and your mind drifts? That is that drifting or that psychological detachment and then lowering the heart rate. Those two is what we call downregulation that you just said so elegantly. Sam, what are you doing to downregulate?
2: Yeah, so for myself, like I said before, for me, for downregulation, it's really about setting that time aside to downregulate so, and whether that be simply going home and spending time being present with my wife and my 13, 14-week-year-old child, which keeps me not so downregulated so it's just, just nothing
3: changes for, like yeah, I said this to Sam yeah. I've got four children nothing changes when you have your first yeah. child right nothing
2: well I've, I've been here for three days and apparently he's sleeping all night when I'm not there so it's fantastic yeah so it's just for me down regulation. it's actually setting time and apart from spending time with my family it's also just spending time for myself as well whether that be just watching a TV show or something and actually just yeah switching off not having to think about something for time because generally I have quite a busy mind just trying to literally not thinking about anything for a period of time, perhaps, or things like that, or just, yeah, spending time where I have no link to work, or, or vice versa as well, when I'm trying to perform at work, it's, it's also keeping that separate and just focusing on the task at hand for me. Yeah.
3: And I often get asked, how does all this stuff, this physiology stuff, this psychological detachment stuff, help me as a leader? Good question. It's called social contagion theory. How you show up is how others show up. Has anyone ever found that when you rock up to work, stressed, tired, distracted, agitated, angry, suddenly 15 minutes later, what's happened to my whole team? Or when you transition home, I can see a few people in the audience. It's a bit like Homer Simpson in the witness protection program. I think he's talking to you. (laughs) Or it might be when you go home to your loved ones or if you have an extended family or if you have children in your immediate or extended family. And after 15 minutes, because you haven't been present, you're a little bit distracted, you suddenly say, my whole family is distracted as well. So learning these skills is not only valuable for work, but it's invaluable for our relationships. How you show up is how they show up. And I'm, I'm constantly conscious of that in all my different roles, to try and show up and be calm, just try and show up and to be present as we've been mentioning before. And when you do that, we have two ears and one mouth and our communication changes. When we're stressed, when we're in that sympathetic nervous system and we're a bit agitated, we tend to tell more, we're more didactic. So a big lesson I've had as I've got older and lost more hair is actually to breathe, slow down and be present before those conversations and you notice so much more. I'm going to go to you. From a professional level, Wendy, What what changes have you seen as a result of the Social Mastery Programme, or what is your vision? What changes would you like to see?
0: I had uh, a great opportunity to work with one of Andrew's terrific colleagues, Angela, who's here today. And one of the tools the team has is the Build a Better Week. And it's all about, you know, show show me what you do in your day, show me your habits and I'll show you your life. And Angela sat down with me and we went through my diary and she went. Where's your meal planning? What? When do you do your exercise? When your? When's your downtime? And I was like, um, Oh, look, you know, I get to it when I can, and I'm pretty busy. And Angela gave me a really good talking to. So, and part of that is, is you know, and she, she was really blunt with me. She's bossy, isn't she? She is. Yeah, she's she's really blunt. Bossy. And she said, Hey, you're not going to show up for your team if you don't show up for yourself. And you have to program those things in at the start of your week. You have to make sure that you're putting in the time to look after yourself. You've got to have the tools. So not just about looking after yourself and how you manage and your habits in your life, but the other tool that I found really helpful is um, treating my car like the TARDIS from Doctor Who. So I get in the car and I have this routine where I think I'm about to go to work and I want to show up and be the best boss I can be. And this might be the first time I have an interaction with this person or the last time, I want to give it my best shot. I want to walk in and I want to see a sign on the front of you that says, how do you thank me? You know, what is it that I have not appreciated about you? Um, So I think being really conscious at the start of the day about how I show up, how I show up for my team, how I show up for my Navy, how I show up for my industry partners, You know, being really conscious about that and investing in it and being, you know, making that decision. And then at the end of the day, when I get back into the TARDIS, you know, I take another big deep breath and I turn that off so that I'm going home and showing up for my family in a way. So I kind of treat the car as the kind of the go-between and a bit of a spot where, you know, some poor guy who pulls up beside me at the traffic lights and sees me, you know, breathing really heavily as I'm doing my in and out breathing is probably like, oh my God, what's going on there? Has she gone into labour or something? So, but I find, you know, you kind of breathe on the way into work, breathe on the way home. It's helped me show up and I hope be a better boss and a better person.
3: I haven't heard that story. I love it. Uh, Wizard, when we do the post-production of the podcast, we've got to put in the Doctor Who music on that as well in the background. When you hear that back, it's going to sound so cool in the background. (laughs) Are you planning an upcoming conference or company offsite? For the past 15 years, I've averaged speaking at over 50 events each year, and I still love presenting at conferences as much as I did when I first started. To explore the different presentations I offer on a range of topics and themes including physical and psychological well-being, becoming burnout proof, connection and belonging, that's a new area I'm, I'm really enjoying presenting on neuroscience and behavior change, mental skills, and leadership and culture, or if you'd like to understand our fully integrated conference experience with pre-event diagnostics, activities throughout the agenda, including a morning wake-up, energy breaks, team-building activities, and digital resources to embed learning. To find out more information and to download a brochure, go to andrewmay.com keynotes. Uh, just notice for everyone standing, there are a couple of seats, so we've still got another half hour to go, so if you'd like to come up, the seats up the front are especially extra comfortable, extra comfortable. They've they got little coolants for your cheeks, so if you'd like, did that sound as bad as it uh, felt delivering? <laughs> as, I, as I say that, one person has left. Too cool on the cheeks. Uh, he's giving me a nod. So if you would like to, uh, more than welcome, come and sit up the front as well. Dean, we said part three today is we're going to be talking about the difference between followership and leadership. I I must admit, when you first introduced me to this term about 18 months ago, I went, tell me more. Because coming from a corporate background, a sporting background, we talk a lot about she's a wonderful leader, he's a leader, and and there were some followers. and, And followers didn't have the same resonance as when you explained it. Now can I tell you I've actually adapted this term, I do quote you a lot. And we're using this in some of my sporting teams. And the players relate with it beautifully. So I just wanted to say thank you because I'm using this and I am honouring you in it. But it's totally changed the way I look at leadership as this command control. So talk to me about followership versus leadership. Your followership and leadership, I mean,
1: is not foreign to probably anyone in the in the crowd here. It's it's really common in, in Navy. And
3: so I thought you were going to ask me for a commission, first of all. Later. <laughs>
1: Later. <Trademark. laughs> yeah. I can um, see his brain ticking over. The... Uh, the interesting thing about followership and leadership is you have on the stage a, a member of the senior leadership group, middle management and, and a senior manager, and we are all followers. We are all followers, and that's really important to understand. Uh, followership is the foundation of leadership. You know, Leadership only happens when followers have a choice whether they want to follow or not. Uh, otherwise, it's management. Now, that's a, a strange thing to say in a military context because we have we have rank, but you know, true leadership is when you inspire your team to come with you on the journey. So I, I spoke about it in our last podcast, but we do bridge resource management in, in the Navy where anyone on the bridge, regardless of their rank, and I should say on, in the ship writ large, uh, can raise a concern and be heard. Uh, and the leader will take that concern on board they don't necessarily have to act upon it, but that individual understands that I've raised a concern and I have been listened to. Setting those foundations is fundamental to leadership, and that is all around
3: followership. You've told me a couple of other stories, uh, some really good stories. And the one that I want to talk about is leadership is love. Because when you, when you said that, I, again, I didn't expect that to come from defence, I think uh, Coming from non-defense, I I had this view that defense is very rigid and structured, and like yes sir, yes ma'am, and it's not. Like it's changing, and you've you've said this before in presentations that while you've changed, defense has changed a lot. So those two themes: how defense has changed, and also that notion of leadership is love. And I'm using that in my my work as well. So I just think I'm quoting you on on all the towards... It's adapting and honouring, yes, (laughs) paying it forward. Yeah, thank you, Sam.
1: I guess the first thing, uh, Navy and Defence has changed a lot. I mean, I joined in 97 as a 17-year-old, went behind the ears. My first day, I put my hand up and the the PO said, yep, what's your question? And I said, what's RAN stand for? (laughs) And I got kicked out of the room and I had to work it out on my own. So, you know, things have changed a lot. And and things have to change, and change is good. Um, So, you know, uh, I, I think... Change will continue, defence will continue to evolve, navy will continue to evolve, and we will continue to evolve, uh, evolve with it. So that's great. You know, where leadership is love, I, I can't take the credit for that. I, I've ran Goyne from the Australian Defence College, who's um, part of the leadership and ethics team out there, command leadership and ethics team. Uh, and, and she explained it, and it really resonated with me in that um, leadership is about setting the conditions where people feel uh, safe where um, you establish trust, uh, there's there's honesty, uh, and, and she equated all those to the same uh, attributes when, when when you love something. Um, so, you know, when you're in a leadership position and you are responsible for individuals in your care, then that is, that is a position of, of love. And it, it does sound a bit strange and it takes you, you know, get your cogs around it, but uh, it really resonated with me and that's why I shared it with you and I'm happy to propagate it out and I, I continue to thank Anne for it.
3: Yeah, it's a, it's a great story. I could see a few people at the back going, oh yeah, it's, it's resonating with people. Sam, you do a lot of other programs inside Defence other than just what we're talking yeah. about, social yeah. mastery. Would you like to talk about some of the other initiatives you're looking at and, and what's exciting you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think I'll, I'll just focus on the other one that takes up most of my day, which is Exercise Immerse, which we run with inside Naval Shipbuilding Sustainment Group, but also across a couple of Navy divisions as well, where we're taking APS members out to fleet units, establishments and other areas to look at, I guess, networking and other aspects of of that side of the house, but also their technical side of the house, so they can have a better understanding of us as the end users in Navy, what we're doing with the products we're procuring or sustaining. So it's been really fantastic Apart from seeing them enjoy the fun activities and the simulators and all that sort of stuff as well, it's also showing them, I guess, how Navy works as a team and, and different aspects that they uh, uh, don't see in other industries because we have that quite—we're quite unique in defence, whichever service it might be—in in the way we interact with each other. Especially, you'll see them all start together as, as a group of ten people that don't really know each other at the at the at the first day, and then by day three, they all they all know each other. They all turn up and they on the program. It's kind of like a. A three day experience of like the recruit school elements. So on day one, they, they've got to work out how to do marching and, and things like that and other aspects and it's quite rewarding as well. On day one, they, they can't do an awful lot. And then on day three they turn up, you turn up to to go find them that day and they're all formed up, they're ready to go, they're ready to march down to meals or, or things like that. But it's been, yeah, super rewarding to share a bit of our world with them. And then also, I, I guess, see, see them reinvest that back into the workplace as well. So I've got, we do a post-activity report after each program and w- the feedback we get from always a few people in every single program is, that they've spent say 20 years working across every different area of defense but they've never experienced what they experienced within that service for those couple of days. Uh, Whether that be the teamwork and our camaraderie and some of the other stuff we do and they really take it back to their workplace, reinvigorate, reinvigorate themselves, reinvest it back into their teams. Whether that might just be doing some team building activities and stuff like that as well. But we're taking people who are like highly technical at what they do that they're they're the peak of the technical side of the house Uh, and then we get to take in some of those social elements as well apart from exposure across the maritime domain and it's it's pretty awesome just to see the the three parts of the triangle coming together with that domain mastery, technical mastery, social mastery all at once and it's been yeah a fantastic program to be part of. Yeah.
0: Yeah I I just want to say Sam in particular has done an amazing job on Exercise Immerse and I think for all of you here you will remember, all our Navy people here, that first time you went on board a warship and you smell, you smell what a ship, it's like it's part of the DNA. And when we have our public servants go on board our ships for the first time, it really hits them. But I work with a lot of public servants and contractors and I want them, every single day they turn up to work, every, every day they walk through the office door I want them to know they're making a promise to our men and women in the navy that the job they do whether it be administration uh, naval architecture operations planning they're making a promise to the men and women of our navy that when you go into harm's way they've got your back they're part of what australia is about what our navy is about so that's why you know many of our public servants have never had this opportunity to go out and understand that it makes a big difference to them. We want them to feel part of that mission. We want them to feel part of those values. Um, And Sam's done a fantastic job. Um, He's got a line-up for the next year, I think, for people who want to go on the course because it really matters and it makes a difference.
3: Let's shift to crystal ball. Uh, And, Wendy, I'll start with you. If we can have the imaginary crystal ball in front of us on on two levels, one... What is your vision for Social Mastery? What does it look like? And two, for you, what does it look like a few years down the track? What are you excited about personally?
0: Well, I think it's about giving people permission to be their best, to stand up, really give everything they do the very best at work, at home, and to know that we're just as invested in their lives, but we want them to invest in their own lives so that, you know, what would be wonderful if every person in the Navy felt like there was nothing else that we could do to show the promise, the investment, the love, the commitment, and that they take that with them in their lives every single day. Now, that's kind of the vision, um, and I know that's a bit airy-fairy, but I think we've got to show up and, and really show our people a vision and that they're valued and that we want them, we want to keep them forever, we want you all to bring your children and join the navy. So you know, well, my I, son's keen. I right? tell so
3: you, you've done a great job on me. But some of the replica boats is in his room, and he told one of his friends recently, "Oh, I'm going to join the navy when I grow up."
0: I said the defence industry team was saying to me, um, "You know, what, what do you think we can do more to get people to join the navy? You know, how can we help?" And I said, "I've got a good idea for next the next Indo when you register, you've got to sign up your firstborn to join the Navy, <laughs> otherwise you can't come. Now, I think we've got to start thinking outside the box here. You
2: know, you know? she's not joking as well.
3: <laughs> Before I go to Dean and the crystal ball, when we often talk about this information about self-development, those of you who've always put everybody else first, and there's a particular cluster of people I think of, it's its normally women, it's a higher propensity of women. It's women as well who have a family or extended family, and it's often with religious beliefs. So can you put a show of hands if you tick all three? So it could be just someone who cares for others all the time. You have a denomination, you believe, and you put up, you've got about yeah, about half the room. When you start putting yourself first, this lady's just looking at me, she's connecting going, you're talking to me. What was your name? Alison. Well, what do you think of Alison often when you put yourself first?
2: I think you do it and you don't think about it until after. And it's then you kind of get into bed and go, oh my God, <laughs> you know, this is finally some downtime. And, and you know, you said earlier, you've got, to, you've got to make sure that you take care of yourself. And, and I resonate that with my team, but I, you know, know that I can do that better within myself. So.
3: Yeah. And the, the word I often hear, Alison, is guilt <laughs> that a lot of people will put everyone before themselves, their colleagues family, associates, even that little down the road, it lives down that, down the street, you put him or her first and put yourself last. Now, it's a well-worn analogy, but you've got to put your oxygen mask on first. And that's the message I heard you say, Wendy, when we first started this, that for men and women, put the oxygen mask on first and look at that self-care, look at looking after yourself. And when you expand your energy, your capacity, emotional regulation, you can actually do a whole lot more. But I just wanted to, to plant that for people who are thinking, oh, I'm I'm too busy or I'll put everyone else first. It starts with you and it's not selfish, it's self-management. It sounds like a flip in terms, but it's a fundamental shift in the way we approach sustainability. It's a fundamental shift in the way we look at leadership and leading with love. Dean, what's the crystal ball say for you?
1: To be honest, social mastery needs to become BAU. It needs to be business as usual, just like our technical mastery and our domain mastery. I believe we're on the journey and we're going to get there. You know, I, I step out of this job in December and I hand over to, um, to uh, a new N1 who, who energise the programme and take it, hopefully, to bigger and better things. But that doesn't mean my social mastery journey stops. Uh, it's just the beginning. So, you know, we're all students on this journey and uh, we absolutely need to fit our own oxygen mask before others uh, so that we can do exactly what the boss does. Is you know take that time in the morning to regulate and engage the brain to show up for work for our people.
3: We're gonna have a whole room of people who are now gonna jump at the TARDIS. You're gonna have to give that context to your colleagues and your team. Yeah, you have to drive as well, right? We're not there yet, right? That's coming. And and a shout out to Command Warrant Officer Tony Duncan as well, who's had a great input in this as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Tony is uh, another driving force behind the
3: program and uh, has been instrumental from the start. Sam, uh, crystal ball, you're getting some sleep down the track. (laughs) What are you excited about, specific to Social Mastery and continuing to support people the way you do?
2: Absolutely. I think, and we already started doing it this year, but we have a long way to go, is just keep growing the reach of the program. Like when we first started, it was was just Naval Shipbuilding and Sustainment Group. Now we've been given this amazing platform where we can still deliver all the products for Naval Shipbuilding and Sustainment Group, but also wider defence through our venues at ADFA and things like that. So I just, yeah, I'm really focused now on... Growing as much as we can, giving it the biggest reach we can. It's, it's always fantastic. We do the ones at for, and you look into the audience, and we have a sea of white, blue, green, APS, everyone all together. I th- you know, yeah.
3: that, that audience did two things to me. It energised me, and it made me feel old. It was, it was like it's like looking at like just young hybrid young men, yeah. like all just so fit. I, I felt I said yeah. to do, I felt old. Yeah. every year of my. 40
2: odd years. But I think, yeah, just, just keeping to grow that reach and growing the awareness of social mastery. I think what we did at ADFA a few weeks ago was amazing, be able to expose people at such an early instrumental part of their career to even just the concept of social mastery so they can continue to grow on that journey, uh, whether it be through our program or other resources in single services. I think that's that's definitely my focus is just getting as many people on the program, whether it be for development or awareness or whatever aspect they might focus on uh, for themselves. It'll it'll help change your careers. Yeah.
1: Yes, yeah, so, and just to jump in on that, I think that's a really good point that Sam's raised. This is just one of many tools that's being rolled out across Defence. So, you know, whether this one resonates with you or another one does, you know, get on board.
0: I, I might just add to that too, because I just I wanted to tell you about one of the proudest and most inspiring moments I've had in the last year. And it's one of the best examples of leadership and followership that I've seen. Um, and she's here today, she's going to kill me. Commander Ally Withers, I got to be the reviewing officer at recruit school for one of the graduations last year. Um, I tried to do it for about three years, wanted to go down and, and see the recruits graduate. I hadn't been able to do it, got cancelled a couple of times during COVID. Finally got down there last year and on the night before the graduation, Ally invited me around to her house with all the recruit instructors now, I have never seen a more energised bunch of people who were just incredible. Um, and when you talk about leadership and followership, you know, they all had each other's backs. We had a great night. It was a lot of fun. But the next day, seeing not just not just the recruits, not just the f- families, not just the grandmothers and grandfathers and kids, um, but all, Ali and all of her team being so proud and so excited... Of, of what happened um, and those new recruits going into the navy. If you could bottle that, Ally, we'll take we'll take three ton of it. Yeah. So, and I know my drill wasn't very good on the day, but I've I've rarely been prouder and just wanted to say a big thank you and a great example. This fabulous lady is about to go and be the commanding officer of a destroyer. It's our most beautiful warships. So well done, Ally. So big shout out. Sorry. <laughs> Okay. And, and Ali, uh,
3: you're there smiling, but you look like you've gone a little bit red. So yeah. to, to make you feel even a little bit redder, we've handed you a microphone. Thank you for coming.
4: Thank you for having me. And thank you so much for that, ma'am. It's um, it, Thank you for being such an amazing cheerleader of mine. You know, it, um, the job down at Recruit School is... Definitely the most rewarding thing I've ever done with the team that I have down there, but also the toughest thing to do when you're, when you're dealing with human change in such a rapid way as we are with, with new recruits. Um, and sometimes feels like a thankless job, but, but as you said, you've got to see, that experience of watching those recruits graduate and the pride in, in my staff for, for what they've done to get um, our recruits over the line is, is something that I will be thankful for the Navy giving me that opportunity every day.
3: Ali, there's a German word called schadenfreude, or schadenfreude, which is pleasure through other people's misery. (laughs) Now, this has got nothing to do with you. Let me finish, okay? (laughs) There's another German word that we don't hear anywhere near near enough of. It's Mitfreude, pleasure through other people's success. A beautiful example for both of you, you elevating Ali. Ali then... Yeah, begrudgingly taking the microphone, but but shining because it makes you feel so good giving back. So wonderful example of mid Freud pleasure through other people's success or elevating others and helping other people rise up. So we've got a gift for you. I did uh, bring a few books, or we got a few packs, so you can choose what you'd like at the end. So come and see us after. Thanks. I'm conscious on time. One of the big things I've been influenced working in your domain is we start and finish on time. I've got a lot of people nodding. But Dean, we'll start with you and we'll work across the, the front of the room. Your lasting thought, last impression before we wrap this up today. What's your last message you'd like to give to the crowd? Social mastery
1: is a personal journey. And it's interesting, if I tie back into that last question about the spectrum, it's very easy for us to measure technical mastery and even domain mastery because we have certain gates we need to step through. Uh, Social mastery is a personal journey, so don't give up on it. Uh, You have to start somewhere, uh, and anything is better than nothing. So whether you can give it five minutes a week, 30 minutes a week, or an hour a week uh, or more, please do so and invest in yourself first because the investment in yourself will be investment in your team.
2: For me, I guess for this, it it, it will be, you, you may see emails come through your inbox at some point in time, adverts for events that add for things for the program, just give it a crack, like sign up. If you want to come to a masterclass or, or you want to do the four week program, uh, it's an hour a week, you can do it whenever you'd like. If you can't meet the actual time constraints of the program, just be open to giving it a go, even just come along to one of the one hour sessions of the whole four week program. I think I bumped into an old army colleague, which I haven't seen for quite some time now, uh, working at a, in a senior leadership capacity, who came along recently to one of our masterclasses at ADFA and she came along, she thought, oh, I'll set a good example for the team. Um, I should go along, I'm a, I'm a leader. I think I'm pretty good at social mastery, but I'll I'll bring the team along. And she came around, she sat down, and then after she finished the first one, she went, "Oh crap, I've, I've got a lot to learn." Uh, and then so she came back to the next one and, and really enjoyed it. So I think no matter what level we're at, no matter how good we think we are, uh, we've always got room for improvement. Especially uh, apart from obviously the merit, the domain mastery, the technical mastery. I think we've we've all got. Miles to go in the social mastery aspect as well, no matter how, how far we are on it, on that journey, we n- we're never going to reach the end. So if you just be open to change, whether that be the Navy Quarter Culture programs, anything at all you might see, just be open to change and, and go along and, and have a listen.
0: I wanted to say a couple of things. I guess, firstly, I, I really reiterate, it doesn't matter what rank you are, what job you do, you know, you can always do better. And investing in social mastery for yourself is is always going to be important, I'm particularly speaking to the women in the room at the moment. We hold ourselves to a level of perfectionism that is unhelpful, unreasonable and unachievable. So don't do it. Perfection is actually not required. I can remember as a young lieutenant trying to do everything perfectly and really giving myself a hard time when I couldn't. And that was that was kind of, you know, gave myself a whole heap of grief that I really didn't need to do. And if you think of social mastery as you know, be kind to yourself, allow yourself to fail, allow yourself to have another go, allow yourself to feel that discomfort of not being perfect. So me, that social mastery journey from a personal perspective is one that I still need to work on every day and be better. I think as a leader, the, the point about social mastery is I basically said to these guys, I think we need to do something But for God's sake, can you please help figure out what it's going to do? And you know what? They went off and and found the right way to approach this and have done a really great job at trying to introduce social mastery into our workplace um, and across the Defence Force. So I feel real pride as a leader that my team have thrown themselves into this. And there were some people who were a bit sceptical and went, you know... We don't think that's worth funding or worth giving your time to. And we had to fight for it, which I was prepared to do. And I was prepared to give it a go. And we didn't, you know, we didn't always get everything right. And I'm like, don't worry about it, guys. Let's keep going. So that being kind to yourself, being kind to your team, to me, that's a real part of uh, social mastery that we, we must remind ourselves of.
3: In wrapping up, I've got three thank yous. Uh, first thank you is to the three of you up the front for giving us a wonderful opportunity to partner with Defence. It's just been a it's been a, a totally changing program from the way we see running our business and just so much gratitude from us to the three of you, uh, to Anthony and the team involved as well. So that was the first thank you, heartfelt. Second, can I get everyone to turn to the person next to them and say thank you for coming and thank you for staying. Give them a, a fist pump, a high five, hug them if you want. <laughs> Now, a bit of hugging going up the back? Okay, stop hugging gents up the back. Come on, I want to see hugs. <laughs> but there were there were a few hugs up the back, we're hugging. And the most important thank you, and can we do this with our feet and our hands, can you join me in a very, very loud, rambunctious set of applause and stomping for these three people on stage? Commander Thompson, Petty Officer Tickle, and Rear Admiral Malcolm, for not just giving us their time today, but for being so authentic and for being so caring in their messages today. Thank you very, very much.
5: Hi everyone, this is Angela Poon, Strive Stronger Operations Director, and I'm here with Luba, who's our Account Manager on the Social Mastery Program. We're back in the office after we got the opportunity to be at the Indo-Pacific International Maritime Exhibition. Luba, we got to see some pretty big ships at this (laughs) conference.
4: Yes, it was truly one of a kind special edition podcast, which I hope all the listeners will enjoy. It was truly one of a kind, just being immersed in this atmosphere where there's heaps of missiles and weaponry and
5: boats. Yeah, not something that we normally see when we work with our clients, which is why we love working with Defence. We also got to ride on one of their rigid hulled inflatable boats in the morning as well. How fun was that? Oh, it was absolutely... Oh, it was awesome. Sliding <laughs> like a butter. <laughs> <laughs> now, the podcast that we got to listen to with Rear Admiral Wendy Malcolm, Commander Dean Thompson and Petty Officer Sam Tickle, one of the biggest takeouts that I had on the podcast was just how much Wendy lives her values. She spoke about mentorship and paying it forward and... A big thing that came across is how much she supports others because of all the support that's been given to her throughout her career. And instead of talking about herself in the podcast, she goes and starts elevating and recognising the work of others in her team through Dean, through Sam, through Anthony, and also bringing in Commander Ali, uh, thanking her for the work that she's done in recruit school. And I think that's such a clear demonstration of authentic leadership, recognising and valuing the work that others have done and giving them credit for it. But not just in a tokenistic way, you can tell she really appreciates appreciates her team.
4: I couldn't agree more. She's such an inspiration and the way she leaves her valleys and walks the talk is absolutely admirable. And just to add to this, that makes a very significant impact on the culture that they have, even though we, we did record our podcast in the midst of all the technical equipment, our podcast was devoted to the social mastery and the people, so the people behind Maybe, which is uh, Again, truly inspiring that that is the world is changing and Navy is changing with them by placing a bit focus on people and investing back in them, seeing making them feel valued and loved, which is something that we love to see and we love that we get to help with promoting social mastery across the cohort.
5: The other reflection that I had was when Wendy spoke about the exercise in most program. Uh, that's the one that Sam does with the APS staff and. Now, there's no better person to run an Exercise Immerse program, Luba, and we know that because Sam has so much attention to detail, and he's one of the biggest reasons why we love working with Defence. We really do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when Wendy said that she works with a lot of the public servants and the contractors and the reasons why they run Exercise Immerse is because, and I'm going to paraphrase from Wendy, I want them to know they're making a promise to our men and women in the Navy, no matter what job they do, that when these men and women go into harm's way, they've got our back. And Luba, I don't know about you, but that gave me goosebumps when I heard that at how it's so important to think about the bigger picture in whatever it is that you're doing and how purpose-driven the work in defence really is. And also and how, how important every single person's role in defence really is it also made me realise one thing. It made me realise why Wendy made Andrew, Dino and I do the Hewitt earlier this year. (laughs) (laughs) So that we could better understand and recognise, even though it's just a small, teeny tiny fraction of the stress and the pressure that they undergo, um, that our One Defence team undergo, but it's so that we could bring about a better social mastery programme for them. I think,
4: and you're definitely downplaying the, the amount of stress that you guys went under. <laughs> I did saw the videos but I do understand what you what you mean. Uh, the other point that I loved and thought it was a good takeaway was from Dean when he spoke about leadership and I will also quote him when he said when something goes right you look at the window and your team and think how you can replicate that whereas when something goes wrong you look in the mirror and try to reflect on what happened, which is I I believe is a very rare example of true and inspiring leadership when a lot of times it it comes to the blaming culture and we try to find a scapegoat and see who stuffed up. (laughs) Whereas it takes a true leader to admit the mistakes, look at yourself and see what can be improved and just move on. Beautiful message.
5: Absolutely. I do think that uh, given the caliber of the people that we work with, we're very lucky to be learning from the people like Dean like Sam like Wendy so I feel very privileged for us to be working with OneDefense even though our program is designed to give those social mastery skills to the people that work on this program uh, I am myself am actually learning in return as well. Yes I agree
4: Ange. it's absolute pleasure working with them.
5: Thanks, Luba, for those reflections. And thank you for joining us today in the podcasting studio because this is your debut into the podcasting world. You're the one that does all the research behind the scenes and there's a lot that goes into each one and every one of these podcasts. So I'm going to take the lead in Wendy's book. And thank you, Luba, for everything that you've done with such positivity, with so much commitment for the Social Mastery Program and everything that you do for Strive Stronger. So I want to say thank you to you. Thank you, Ange. It's such a pleasure working with you all. And I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Yes, thank you to everybody that's listened to this episode. We hope you enjoyed this special live edition at the Indo-Pacific International Maritime Exhibition.